When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark, and before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, AKG, for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It's got a great Lyra mic and a very comfortable set of headphones, and if you're looking to start your own podcast, this is a very economical way to get high-quality gear. Benjamin Wright joins us on this week's episode, and I'm going to stay in touch with him because in addition to being a musician, he's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. He's releasing his second album with his sister Amanda under the name Benjamin Jane. Benjamin lives in Vermont, but Amanda lives in Barcelona, Spain, not New York. So the pandemic really didn't change how they wrote music. In fact, their first album was really just an exercise in the two of them staying in touch. But the new album is a step forward in every respect. Benjamin explains how his music is something he has to do, not something he wants to do. And being in psychiatry, he knows how important creative outlets are. Give them a follow on social media. All their links are on their website, BenjaminJane.com. That's B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-J-A-Y-N-E.com. And you can order their album there as well. Follow us at Performance ANX. Rate and review the shows. We accept coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. And merch is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. And you know, sometimes a podcast is just a podcast, but not this time. Enjoy Benjamin Wright of Benjamin Jane on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Cool. You ready? All right. Hi, this is uh, Ben Wright from Benjamin Jane. You're listening to Performance Anxiety and... Uh, we just got done talking about an upcoming release that we're putting out called Theater. So uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast and I uh, hope you enjoy the music. Be well. Oh, man. Let me yeah. just get one thing squared away here. and yeah, Take your time, man. I'm literally just, I'm just catching my breath from the, uh, from the day. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. If you want to, if, if you want to get a drink or something. I just got my, I just pulled the tea off the stove, man. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. Oh, so I, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I swear. I don't know what's going on with the weather. It's just killing my throat today. I literally, yeah, I just had a, uh, I, I work in, uh, Anyway, I, I had a long day. I work at a hospital. I just, like, I raced home. I got my kids to sleep, and my throat was healing the same way. So I threw in a lozenge, yep. made tea, and then the phone rang. So I'm with you. <laughs> well, at least we have good timing today. Yeah, yeah. Today, anyway. I don't know. If any other time, but. So what I like to do is kind of start from the beginning. Find out how you got to where you are now with the, the new album coming out. So the the band... Benjamin Jane is yeah. you and your sister. Yeah. How 
early on were you guys getting into music how how old were you was there a lot of music in the house or did you start playing instruments at a young age uh yeah all the above um so my i mean i'll just i kind of take it to the you know my grandfather was a trombone player in a traveling big bands back in the day oh cool yeah my dad was a pretty good guitarist and vocalist and played in um some bands that toured when he was in college and they did a couple records. My mom, she's a pretty good pianist. Um, so we always had a piano in the house. Um, and she was a, a piano teacher also locally and oh, taught most of, most of us kids. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was always around. What music was really grabbing your attention early on? <laughs> well, it depends on what early on means. Um, <laughs> What's the first thing you remember thinking, this is awesome. I, I've, I've got to get this album. Well, I think it was, we already had it. You know, I was, I'm the youngest of six okay. kids. Oh, wow. And you, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like if you're the youngest, you're just taking in whatever's above you. Right, right. And uh, so the, first, the earliest thing I remember really digging was uh, Prince's Purple Rain. Oh, nice. And I think, you know, I can't, I was going to check my timeline on this one. I, I think I was four years old. If that, if that aligns with his release, then, then yeah, I'm right. Uh, it was like around 1984. That, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's when that yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first record I remember, like, you know, four years old. I remember that spinning and just loving it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a excellent taste for a four-year-old. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, my first, the first tape I ever bought, um, you know, like I said, if you have older siblings and, and you cross your fingers, they have good taste and yeah. then you're in good luck. Yeah. And then you're, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I get a lot of, uh, yeah, my, my older brother was into black Sabbath. See, I was the older brother. So is that right? Yeah. So I, I was the oldest, uh, I have a younger brother and a younger sister and none of them really latched on to anything that I listened to. Cause I, I was listening to Zeppelin and Sabbath and all my brother just decided yeah my, my brother was all like i'm just gonna listen to 50s and 60s like some doo-wop and stuff and he's that's that's what he's still into to this day is that right and my sister's just i think the only thing she listens to is brian adams <laughs> i think that's the only artist she listens to hey man you know whatever works for you yeah you know i mean they're all they're all solid you know oh, yeah <laughs> so i mean i think some consider black sabbath to be in you know one of their records to be the top 10 uh, rock records. Yeah, I was just watching something on some of these top, top lists. Yeah. Um, so and, and, yeah, I mean, it all works. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it all, um, it all informs your, uh, the music that you create now. Yeah, for sure. So, I, um, uh, I was going to say the first record I bought though, you know, the Prince was just spinning in the room next to me. So that's what I, you know, that's the first thing I remember hearing. Yeah. But the first record, the first tape I bought was, um, bought you know with my allowance money was uh the cure standing on the beach oh wow yeah that's a man another excellent choice yeah great one um i was in and i think again memory serves me right i think i was in like third or fourth grade um so that would have put like i don't know 1987 or something i, I picked that up in 88 i picked that up wow something like that I picked it up, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the story I, I've, I've told on the podcast a few times is that uh, the first album that I bought, my mom gave me a couple bucks and uh, we were in like a, I was living in New Jersey. So we, we were in this, uh, it was like a version of 
a local version of Target or something. Yeah. And they had a, a music section with records and tapes and all. And my mom's like, here's, I don't know, five, six bucks or something. Go, why don't you go buy a, a cassette? Like, awesome. So run out. I'm probably 11, 10 or 11. Yeah, I know it says probably 10, because I think it was 83. Okay. And um, I go out to the to the music section, and I can't decide, so I pull these two tapes out, because I'm kind of familiar with both of these bands. And I go to my mom, and I'm like, I don't know which one to get. Which one should I get? And one's Quiet Riot, Metal Health, and the other's Van Halen, 1984. Did she go with Van Halen? Yes, she did. She's <laughs> like, I don't like this one with this weird dude in the mask. She's like, that looks too, that, that doesn't look good, very good. Take the one with the little angel smoking. That one's okay. Right. So, right. so that's, that was the first thing I ever remember buying with, with money that, well, I guess with money that was given to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that was your money. Yeah. Yeah. It was my money. It was my decision. The first yep. one I decided, well, kind of, I had two. I'm still that way. It's like, yeah, Oh, what do I get? This or this. I remember throwing into those old, uh, the old yellow Walkmans, if you remember those things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With those cheap headphones. Yeah. Oh, my God. I felt like I was, yeah, I thought I was an adult, you know, yeah. my own cure tape and my own Walkman. I was killing it. <laughs> That's right. And it was always, <laughs> the volume was all the way, always all the way up. Right. So when did you start playing music on your own, like uh, in bands and out with other people? Uh, in bands, would you, let's see, I guess the first band I was in, I think I was probably like 13, uh, and it was a punk rock band. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it didn't last long and we didn't, yeah, well, yeah, I was 13. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember what we called. I don't even know if we had a name, but we were, you know, my, my mom let us play in the basement and uh, we probably played together for six months, maybe a year. Wow. Um, and I was doing the guitar and, and then uh, I think it was just guitar, bass and drums and a bit of screaming that didn't make much sense. But, you know, it was, that was the first go. <laughs> You're the best parents. Jeez. <laughs> well, I, I had a... Uh, my, my, my mom was, uh, she was a single mother raising six kids. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a lashkey situation going on there, you know? Jeez. Oh, God bless her. My gosh. Yeah, no, she was, she's, she's great. I mean, she, she raised six kids. She worked two jobs and went to school at nights and got a degree in teaching. And yeah, I mean, she killed it. She was, uh, she was great. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And so you're 13 years old playing in punk bands, but you started off playing piano though. Yeah, first instrument was definitely piano. Okay, so when yeah. did you, when did you switch to guitar? I mean, was it around thirteen, or did you always have an interest in guitar, even playing piano? Uh, no, I mean, I moved through all kinds of instruments. Um, we had a lot of instruments in the house uh, over the years. So I started on the piano just because she was a teacher. We had one in the house, and it was easy, and I dug it. And and then fourth grade, I think it was in elementary school, you're you're allowed to pick your first instrument oh cool um and i picked the snare drum and that didn't last long i don't know if that was me or my mom probably me because she let you know she was pretty cool about things yeah. uh, then i went over to, i migrated to the saxophone so that was the second instrument wow uh like real instrument where i got into i took lessons and i was in the you know concert band and all that stuff oh okay 
I knew my dad played, but he hadn't played since he was a kid. So he had a couple guitars around. He, he pulled out like once a year. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I had an interest in it because he's my dad and he was playing. He was, he was good. But uh, it was really probably my mom married the music teacher at the school that she was teaching at. Oh, wow. And he was um, a big blues artist. Uh, and he played out like a couple days a week uh, outside of teaching at school. Nice. And he gave me, he, he sat me down and taught me a couple blues. Well, he, he said, if you can learn these blues riffs, then I'll give you a guitar. Wow. And, uh, Awesome. So I learned the blues riffs and he, yeah, he gave me, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but the old silver tone, like, uh, guitars yeah. that were like, they came in a box that also had the amp that was built into the box, into the, the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember first, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was my first guitar and he, awesome. he moved in when I was in sixth grade. So that would have been sixth grade. I, I got the, uh, my first, really got my first guitar and started getting into it. Okay. Okay. So then it's pretty soon after a couple of years after that, you started playing out with, with your buddies and all. And yeah. at what point did you really want to start studying it? Because you actually went to Berkeley. Yeah. When did you decide that was something that you really wanted to take more seriously? Uh, I, I, I kind of, well, I mean, it was always like my main passion, one of my main okay. passions. And it kind of, you know, I played in concert band from fourth grade through until I left public school. Uh, and I was in jazz band. I took the, the guitar I was able to, to play in the jazz band. So that, you know, that was great. Um, and I was playing in multiple bands in high school. So I, I really enjoyed it. And so I knew that I wanted to do something with it. And of course, when you're 15, 17 years, years old, you know, you, you're, you have fantasies that are you know beyond ridiculous. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, so of course I thought it was going to be, next Jim Morrison or Kirk Cobain at that point, you know, that was my goal was I want to be a rock star. Of course, when I was a teenager. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, but what, as far as Berkeley, that was kind of, I kind of bagged myself into a corner a bit. Cause I didn't like, I didn't like public school very much. I was a great student up until eighth grade, I guess. And then I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of fell out of favor with it. And, um, as part of the grunge scene, I was a skateboarder. I didn't, I stopped going to school for a bit. I was a bit of a pain in the neck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I pulled my act together for 10th grade and 11th grade. I was like, I just, I'm not into public school. And, um, my sister was going, my, she's my, she's the youngest sister, but so she's three years older than me, but she's the youngest of the girls. Okay. She was going to, she was going to like an alternative kind of hippie farm arts music school. Okay. And I really wanted to go. My mom didn't want me to go, but I was like, listen, this isn't working for me. She still didn't want me to go. And I, I, I just stopped going to school. And basically the, my school, the public school is like, you know, it, you know, you're to my mom and the mate. She's like, they, they basically said, you're, you can get in trouble for him being true. And you, you got to do something. Wow. This kid, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, um, I kind of forced her hand on that one. I you know, looking back, you know, again, I was a kind of a pain in the neck kid. Uh, but I was able to go to this art music school and that was, you know, that, I think you know, that saved me cause I just wasn't, I just wasn't into the traditional curriculum. So right. I was really, really engrossed in, in music and art, um, uh, especially with that school and all the, all the kids there were super in art music. So it became a pretty serious thing. And I'd say that probably around 11th grade, I really started digging hard on it. How did you choose film scoring and jazz at Berkeley? Was that something that that was always interesting to you or did it, was it more like, you know, I can actually make a, maybe make a career out of this instead of 
majoring in I don't know, guitar. If you're going for jazz, you're essentially majoring in the instrument that you, that you are playing jazz on. So you have to okay. pick a principal instrument and my instrument was guitar. So, um, that was my initial major when I applied and then I was always really big into film. Okay. And when I, when I got there, I realized, I kind of started to realize that that was an opportunity and I could do a, a dual major. Oh. Um, so I started to do classes in both. Oh, cool. So the goal was, yeah, I could, I guess the goal was really maybe film scoring could be a backup, but I mean, that's a terrible backup because they're both like, a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I know what you mean. I majored in photography. So yeah, I, I know go. what you mean. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a dual major. That was it. I'm not a, I'm not a professional photographer anymore. So, Were you at one time? Yeah. For about a decade. Nice. So that nice. was. Yeah, that was fun. Then my, my wife and I started a family and um, we decided I needed something with a more, with a more stable income. And uh, see, when we started having kids, she wanted to stay home with them. And yeah. uh, she had all the insurance for her. She worked at a bank and uh, I was out, you know, doing my photography thing. We lived in like Southeast Alabama at the time. So we, uh, she wanted, you know, it, it, it was a little cheaper to live than just outside of DC where I am now. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. But I still needed a steady income. And, uh, so I got into, uh, sales. So, and that was, then. I, so then I just kind of started doing photography as a hobby and it was actually yeah. really good. Cause I was getting really burnt out on doing this stuff that I was doing. So yeah, this is, yeah, I mean, this, this is where our stories sound like they're aligning a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. So what was happening uh, after you, you, after Berkeley, Oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of stops along the way. But, <laughs> so did, did um, you actually start work after, after Berkeley? Did you start working in film scoring? No, I didn't finish. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I did it three semesters. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like we're converging. Cause I never, I didn't finish a uh, photo. My, yeah. I didn't get my photo degree either. Um, it was, you know, Berkeley was, uh, I mean, I mean, it's expensive and, uh, yeah. I, uh, I ran out of the ability to fund my education going into my fourth semester and actually, um, yeah, I um, wasn't able to afford my, my, my apartment anymore. And was, and I actually spent the last two months couch surfing and finished the semester and, and then, uh, had to leave. I wasn't on merits. I mean, my, I did well, uh, academically and, yeah. and, uh, and with the instrument, but I just, I couldn't afford it. So. Yeah. Oh God. Dude, you know, I don't know. Okay. So maybe you can even shed a little bit of light on this for me and and others when i i went to rochester institute of technology for photography and this was back in 91 i went so it digital was just in its infancy so you, there yeah. weren't even really classes in digital photography so every class you had to buy film you had to buy paper the only thing that was provided for you although you you know, you did have to pay a, an exorbitant amount in tuition. The only thing that you didn't have to buy on your own were the chemicals, but any film, any paper, cameras, lenses, and any of the uh, stuff that you needed to develop film, you know, and any of the actual equipment you had to either buy or you could rent it for like a couple hours at a time. But yeah, that was hard because other kids were doing the same thing. You know, there's, you know, 10,000 kids at this place in the same major yep. and they're all trying to get the same equipment you are. So it's better to 
buy your own, but it's expensive because you're having to buy all this stuff. What, yeah. What's it like at, at a, at a music school is I imagine you know, tuition's first of all expensive, especially in California. Yeah. Uh, no, we were in Boston. Oh, the Boston, Boston, Berkeley. That's I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, What's Berkeley, one? You were thinking about Berkeley, uh, UC Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Okay, yeah. so so what what kind of uh, I guess what's involved in in being a music major of any type? Uh, <laughs> I know that's kind of a um, vague, open ended question, but yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I mean, it depends on what you're going there for. Um, uh, you certainly, if, you, if you're playing an instrument, you need to you need to be able to ha- you know you need to have an instrument. Yeah, they're not going to they're not going to provide you with one except unless you play, if you play the piano, then they have all these practice rooms that have pianos that you can rent space, you rent time out to use. Um, right. but everything else, I mean, you gotta, yeah. So you gotta pay for instruments. Um, and I have yet to find a cheap instrument of any kind. Yeah, no, that's sorry. My cat is trying to, uh, <laughs> no worries, man. <laughs> I'm going to give him a little break out in the garage. <laughs> You know, I, that's one thing I always end up worrying about because my dog is roaming around the house too, and anything goes by the anything goes slowly by the the uh, window. He goes nuts. Bark. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. he's insane. He's like he's half Australian Shepherd, half Boxer, and so oh, and he just walked by. He's he's, and then he's staring <laughs> he out the window. Me. He heard me. He's staring out the window right now, looking for something yeah. to bark at. So he's he's like eighty five pounds. So he's got a good healthy bark on him. No, I see. I used to have a, we had a burner, our last dog, a Bernie's pound dog. She was 120. Oh, wow. Those are beautiful. Thankfully, she, yeah, thankfully she wasn't a barker, but man, when she did, it was, whew, yeah, it was deep and yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but back to your, to the question. Yeah. I mean, really, you got to pay for the instruments. They're expensive. Then tuition and room and board is expensive. Uh, oh, but yeah. really, really it's, it doesn't, I don't think it's as the cumulative kind of like the repetitive purchases. I'm not sure if there is often and as much as what you might have dealt with you know we had yeah. to buy you know for me i had to buy strings is you know every week or two at the gig. oh yeah I yeah strings they're six seven bucks so it's not a big deal but um yeah so uh you know recording equipment they would provide for you my roommate was a music well, my first roommate was a musical engineer um so they had you know if you're doing that uh, they had all the you know keyboards and the software and the computers and all that stuff for you to learn on so they provided a lot of stuff but it's just tuition alone artistic creative colleges like that there's just the tuition there seems to be a lot higher than if you're going to liberal arts colleges for some reason sure unless yeah. you're going to ivy league well nowadays they all seem to be kind of a, a lot of them seem to be aligning as just <laughs> stupidly expensive but yeah. yeah back then i think that berkeley was certainly um one of the more you know i mean it seemed to be one of the more expensive colleges um, oh, sure. that i was looking at yeah so but great experience man i mean being exposed to some really significant intense players um and you know being able to uh, yeah i mean some of those have gone on to do some pretty significant things um which was it's just it's a cool opportunity to see all that creativity and be a part of it yeah yeah so oh my dog is growling right now i'm i'm i'm, I'm about to start yelling his name here and it's like i'm gonna have to, damn i'm gonna have to do a lot of editing on this one <laughs> hammond knock it off now he's staring at me like i'm an asshole yeah <laughs> Go get out of here. Go kitchen. Good boy. He knows that word. Yeah, he wants some food now. Yeah. he'll be back. <laughs> oh wait, he 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 went halfway. Now he's just laying down. Like, uh, go screw yourself. 
all right so after you left school what what were you doing were you playing or were you working what was going on uh, i mean give you the kind of the the cliff notes version yes yeah, so i left ended up going back to PA. So i'm not i didn't you said jersey growing up i was in pennsylvania so we weren't too far away oh cool uh, so I went back to Pennsylvania and started um, a band and played in Philadelphia for a couple of years. Oh, nice. Um, I wasn't too far yeah. out of Philly. It was about an hour and 20 minutes out of Philly. Uh, south, north? Uh, almost due east of Philly. I was I was in uh, central Jersey, like uh, right on the edge of, of 100 in Somerset counties. So I was like an hour. There isn't, there isn't a central Jersey, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I man, I've gotten into that discussion so many times in the past two weeks for some reason. I don't know yeah. what's going on. There must be some meme going on. I don't know about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I was almost like right in the middle of the state. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right in yeah, the yeah. middle, right on Somerset. I spent a good deal counties. over there. I spent a good deal um, when I was four, fifteen. I, I went on. I followed the, the Grateful Dead. Um, oh wow! With some. <laughs> with some friends of mine and we ended up in glass uh, well we ended up in ocean city jersey and, and just on the boardwalk at like three in the morning playing music with these strangers and we ended up like becoming friends with them and we are still friends with them to this day and they're wow. from glassboro glassboro new jersey okay so we spent a lot yeah we, every summer we were down in glassboro hanging out with these uh these friends of ours so we yeah and i had family that were down in cape may courthouse so yeah I'm, it's uh i was i was like like 30 maybe less than 30 minutes from new brunswick Okay. So yeah. I was I was like in just a little over an hour to New York and about an hour and fifteen hour and twenty to Philly. Yeah. So I was right in the middle. Like I, once I got my license and pretty good options. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you ended up becoming a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Yeah. How did you go from music to psychiatric nurse practitioner? So this is where I was saying earlier that our story started to align a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I have, you know, I have a wife and I have kids and, you know, she wanted to be able to pay the bills. So yeah. <laughs> what is it with uh, wives and bills? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, she's always been pretty supportive of the music, but you know, she certainly wanted to, and we both, you know, I mean, I so Philly was one stop along the way. I went back down to Pennsylvania, played in the band for a couple of years and then moved out to LA for three years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I've been around a bit um, before the school thing. Um, and, um, I, you know, my friends of mine, my brother was out there and some really close friends of mine from high school were in L.A. And um, I had just crashed a car in the middle of winter. It was like the first storm of the season. And I was like, I just, it was, I didn't take it seriously enough. And I slid and totaled my car at like Ooh. when I was 24. And so not a lot of job, you know, prospects uh, in rural Pennsylvania. And, and I didn't have enough cash really to get the car fixed. So yeah. by default, kind of once again, I was like, well, you know, to hell with it. I'm going to LA. Wow. My brother had a, a space for me to crash at and a, he had his own business. And some of my really close friends from, uh, elementary school and high school had their own business and they all offered me a job. So I went there and did like, um, uh, the event production work. They have a, they have a company called the do lab. Um, okay. And it's like, a basically now it's a festival. Uh, I mean, it basically it, it's core business is it, it runs a festival called lightning in a bottle out in California. Oh, wow. Um, 
and then we also they you know we were also doing before that really took off the lightning in the bottle we were doing an installation at coachella um every year um and then like we're also doing various uh theater performances and um installations at various uh festivals and so it was that's i was kind of doing that for a few years and playing somewhat professionally musically um kind of music for hire out there a little bit um and uh the first year was you know cool it was novelty i learned how to surf it was california it was fun and i was doing a lot of production work and you know in the scene and it was interesting but after a few years it just um uh my wife jen was out there uh she moved out there uh like a year after i did roughly and um we both kind of just burned out on it and she got into grad school back in boston so she started grad school and i ended up going to europe while she was in her first semester and to play some music with my sister and, and some bands over in Europe. Oh, wow. And then, and then ended up back in Boston with her. So it's kind of a circuitous route and, you know, we kind of went around, went around a bit. Yeah. Um, but with her grad school up in Boston, that's where I was, I was kind of hanging around while she was doing grad work. And I was like, you know what? I didn't, I only need a few classes to get an associates cause I had a whole bunch of classes from Berkeley. Um, I just needed to do some of those core classes. So I went and got an associates while she was doing her thing. And then it just snowballed. I got a scholarship uh to uh, university of massachusetts so i'd have to you know that was a no-brainer i had to pay for it so i finished yeah. my bachelor's degree in psychology and that was just i don't know how you were in school like well i'm not sure how, how long you were there but for me it was just like you get in there and you find out what's interesting you know yeah and um before it was just the focus was music and now i knew i had to get it a different type of job yeah so i was kind of going through cognitive science psychology considering medical school um I worked in a cognitive science lab doing like perception work on vision. Oh, wow. Um, so it was just a whole different uh, amalgamation of, of things that were related to science, health, and, and mental health. And, and I got out thinking I was going to be a psychologist, and I got a job at a local uh, inpatient psychiatric hospital. And in the first three weeks I was on the floor, I realized I had to go back to school and get a better, get, get more education because a bachelor's degree in psychology at a psychiatric hospital gets you a, a position called like a mental health counselor or a mental health worker. Okay. Which is a really, I mean, hats off to those, those workers. I mean, it's an incredibly difficult job. They do great work, but it is hard. Um, I mean, you're, the, you're on the floor with, you're on the floor 24 seven with those patients when they're, you know, and there can be some very difficult to keep patients and it's, it's oh, very sure. tiring and it could be, it could be dangerous at times. So I was like, this is, I can't do this forever. So I, I immediately rolled, enrolled back in school to the study. Uh, my landlord was a nurse practitioner, a family, a family nurse practitioner. Okay. I never really knew about it. And he's like, well, you like psychiatry, you like psychology, you like, you know, you like medical world, you like, um, kind of like all the studies, like, you know, psychiatric nurse practitioner kind of marries all that together. So he kind of turned me on to it. And, um, so I immediately enrolled, uh, at mass general, they have a program, uh, Massachusetts General Hospital. Uh, it's called MGH Institute of Health Professions. So I got my prereqs and just head first into that. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a long, <laughs> a long, long journey, man. I mean, it's this is twenty-two to thirty-five that oh, I wow. discovered. So. Wow. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Meanwhile, your sister, Amanda, is in Spain? Yeah, yeah. 
And um, so how, are you guys in touch very often at this point? We try to be, but it's, I mean, that's the whole, that was the whole, and maybe you read some of our backstory on high, low. You said you were listening to that. Yeah. Um, the whole backstory behind that, why that happened was because she's been there since 1999. I think she, I think she, she, it was either her own saxophone or my saxophone or somebody's. I'm not quite sure whose, but I think she went or she like bought a pickup truck first in the States and traveled with like all these circuses playing music and doing circus stuff for a while and then sold the truck and went to Europe and with an accordion Wow! and, and traveled all over Europe with an accordion in different bands. Oh my God. And yeah. And she, she fell in love with Barcelona and with his, with her husband, uh, who's from Italy. And she really hasn't, I mean, she's been back for vacations, but she's been there since 99. So connecting with somebody, you know, when they're in Barcelona and you're in the States, time differences, you know, back then for a while, their cost was prohibitive. You know, you didn't have oh, WhatsApp or. God, yeah. yeah. So we kind of lost, you know, it's tough to keep in touch. So we were like, let's make, a, let's make a record. And it forces us to check in like once every week or two and talk about, you know, what parts need to be done or, you know, lyrics, et cetera. And it just, since then we've been in pretty regular contact i'd say every weekend or every other weekend oh well that's that's awesome so so the whole point of, of the first album was just to really get you guys together again just to stay yeah, in contact yeah we didn't we didn't have any plan of releasing the record at all wow. yeah we didn't you know we legit you know we, we were just like let's make some and literally it was just let's just make music for the sake of talking and then we had no expectations and it just started to sound i mean it, it just was sounding pretty good and we're like let's you know let's take it up a notch it sounds amazing the 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 clarity of of everything instruments vocals everything i can't think of an album where tonally it sounds as clear as that album it's incredible everything is so bright even okay so even when you when you have like some fuzz guitar like like on cold parade It just, yeah. it doesn't sound like a grungy, distorted, you know, heavy guitar. It, it sounds like a clear fuzz. Appreciate it, man. Oh, it's incredible. I don't know how you guys engineered that, but I've, I've, it's seriously, I can't think of, of any other album that, kind, that has that clarity. Nothing is coming yeah. to mind. Well, we appreciate the compliment, man. I mean, we're, we worked hard on it. We were, and we also, I, I can't leave out Drew. Ah, uh, Drew Skinner. Drew, yeah, 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 yeah. He was my first roommate, and um, he is a uh, you know he went to school for engineering, and um, he is a professional sound designer currently. Oh wow! So he was he played a you know he he was an integral integral role in all that alongside of my sister and myself. He you know he gets a lot of credit for for the uh, the clarity on these things. Well, he learned something because it's really impressive. I mean, Dark Skies. Uh, th- I think that's my favorite al- song yeah, on the right. album. Yeah. Uh, Dark Skies, I wish you'd come my way again. Dark Skies, I wish you'd come my way again. 
And the way Silent Mind kind of just kind of transforms at the end, it's yeah, yeah. that is really cool. That was a throwaway song, man. Really? Yeah, like that was like a. I had just gone to like a, you know, and when you're in, when you're in healthcare, you have to take these educational credits to keep up with your your licensing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I went to this uh, mindfulness course for a week, and you know, learning meditation and breathing and stuff like that. And I came home and I was just kind of warming up to do some other work, and I noodled this tune out, noodled this this little thing on the keyboard out, and and just kind of I was having fun. And I was like, this is not at all aligned with the rest of this record. I was like, this is just, you know, this is way different. <laughs> right. And I just get, you know, so I did my, a bunch of stuff on that, did my piece and I sent it to Drew. I said, let's just have fun with us. Just do whatever the hell you want to do. You know? Awesome. Um, yeah. That, so that one turned out to be pretty cool. Ah, I like that one a lot. And now, on high low and on the new album theater, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear some, Maybe musical theater influence sounds like lie to me. Maybe, you know, tracks like that. They sound, they have a feel of something you might hear on a, a, a Broadway musical kind of a, of a piece. I can get, I can get that from lie to me. Uh, that's a piece that Amanda wrote and she does some really, she has just, you know, she had um, a few CDs she put out um, on what about music, which was a record label before. And now it's more distributing. Company. Okay she did a couple great records and she, uh, um, she does music, music that I described as like uh, whimsically serious carousel pop. Oh, um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it in an interview for our release for high low. And that's the only thing I could really come up with. It's like, it's really quite unique and it is, um, it does have some theatrical elements. And I think that comes from her time traveling with, you know, uh, kind of gypsy Kleshmer bands and, um, and the jazz and like, um, and some of, she did a lot of, um, she'd like bread and puppet and some circuses in the States. So she has a lot of influences that come into play with her writing. A lot of unusual influences. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 All right. So the new album is coming out theater and I, from the way it sounds, I mean, the pandemic really didn't change how you guys create music at all. No, so, <laughs> you just, it's just business as usual for you guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> except you might notice a little bit more. Um, I was thinking about this before you called about the comparison between the two, and they're kind of pretty. I I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think they're pretty different in flavor. I would agree. Um, yeah, I think the new one's a bit. Uh, it definitely doesn't feel as light. It's definitely more kind of straightforward. A little bit more, a little bit more rock oriented, and a little bit kind of darker and kind of angsty of just about what's going on, I think. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, uh, guitar playing is a little more experimental or maybe, maybe less structured is, is a word, uh, the, the way to, to say it. Like some of the, uh, the solos, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the name, the name is the song I'm thinking about. Um, you're probably thinking about, my guess is you're probably thinking about track three, which is, I'm uh, sky's up. falling. Yes. Yes.
that yeah it's the the, uh, it's god i'm trying to think of the way the way the way to describe it the uh the first album sounds a little more um i guess folk structured and maybe a little yeah. more tight on the stru- on the song structures this mm-hmm. one sounds like you're you're just kind of letting loose a little bit more not like yeah. just going out all out free form jazz or anything like that but you know having a little more fun with solos and and guitar pieces i'd say there's some truth to, for sure the first one was definitely uh the songs seem to have a, there's more kind of nuances and movements to the to the earlier songs they're more folk based and uh and I think with the folk, at least the way that I, we, I was writing and, and collaborating with my sister and Drew, the way we produced it, I think that allowed for some of that clarity that you're talking to with the, the instrumentation that we did with the first record. Yeah. Whereas the second one is a bit more kind of, it's still full, but it's um, maybe a bit more, again, I, I don't know what else to say, but other maybe a bit more traditional kind of rock and that has some guitar, like some electric guitar, some distortion. In it. It's yeah. things kind of get, it's a, maybe more thematic in sound rather than nuanced, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I like the way you said that. That makes that, that, I think that's exactly what I was trying to get across in my in eloquent podcast way. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I mean, even the, the, the louder songs are still kind of, quiet and organic everything sounds yeah. really organic which is uh, it's nice you don't overload the songs with stuff that doesn't need to be there um the way i was actually thinking about it was it's kind of like a david gilmore style or quality oh cool where yeah where, where you let the music breathe you know you don't yeah. try to to overpower the song with all kinds of electric guitar or even like being all shouty and screaming with vocals and you know there's no it's all you're getting your point across but you're doing it as and, and letting the song be the the boss really yeah 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 i like that i wish i could scream and i've been trying to learn how to scream <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna do a, a metal album i, I have a, a couple friends who are like man you just gotta you just gotta freaking let go man and, and scream for me and he's like i hear that i hear that <laughs> i don't have it man it's gonna happen one of these days but it's funny yeah even even the the angrier for i guess that's the only word i can Think of the the angrier songs on it, the like uh, talking heads and, and waiting yeah. for life. They're still pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. Poetry aside, I've got something to say. I'm not feeling good. Don't tell me it'll be okay. Tell there, there's something behind it. The, the lyrics are, are you're not happy, but uh, <laughs> but but the songs they're probably the most chill, angry songs I've ever heard. Yeah, I dig that. You know, <laughs> why, why let the anger get the best of you? You know, yeah, what I mean, got to control it. Yeah, just talk about your anger. Yeah, <laughs> quietly. <laughs> See, that's the that's the, the psychiatric training coming in. I guess. Yeah. It's a, and and the other thing that I noticed with the album, uh theater, it's it's more lush. There's strings in it. Um yeah. and you know, a little more like you had mentioned of uh fuzzed out guitar and all. Yeah. So it was was that the way you wanted to start from the begin beginning or were you like just let's just put some strings here or was that something that uh, I got uh, so I gotta say with with high low 
it was really a conversation with my sister about family, love and loss and grief and rebirth. You know, we had lost our stepfather to cancer. Oh, wow. Um, I had when you know, I just started having children. And so a lot of our friends were starting to have children. So there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of sentimental uh, aspects of that record that made it, that, that made it different. It spoke to, to us differently. It came out differently. And it was, it took longer for us to kind of work all that stuff out. There was no rush. Like I said, it's just a conversation and we were just, we were moving at our own pace. And this one was like, this was like, and, I, and I'm not going to get, you know, overtly, at least if I do, I won't be too long when I'm getting overtly political. But this one was like a visceral, uh, regurgitation of frustration and anger over like the political situation. And then on top of that, then you had the pandemic. Yeah. And so this album was written in like a fraction of the time of the first record. So there was no real thought. It was just a necessity. Is that why maybe I hear a little uh, less of a man, Amanda on this one, as opposed to high, low. Yeah. There's a couple reasons for that. Um, she transitioned careers. So she just started, when I just started recording the new songs, she had just transitioned into a role as a, um, a teacher. Oh, wow. Uh, and she never done it before she was teaching. So she is teaching English and Spanish. And so she, she was really trying to grapple with time management and lesson planning. And, um, and it wasn't a classroom structured teaching. She was like teaching in people's homes and going all over Barcelona. Oh, so wow. was, she was like, she had like 12, 14 hour days. Um, oh. so she just wasn't available like she was. And, you know, it's just the way it was. She had to transition careers and she had to, she had to do it. And I, I had no choice, but to make the record. It just wasn't stopping, you know? Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much why you, you hear a lot less of her on there. Um, okay. At what point, and I guess this is going back to the first album. At what point did you decide this is going to be just a project between me and my sister to let's release this? When I realized I wasn't embarrassed by it. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good starting point. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, that's when it started hitting me. I was like, like I was 30 some odd years, 30s. I don't know. Well, I was in my late 30s, 36 or 37 when we were writing that one. And it's probably, you know, when I was writing music earlier in my twenties, I think I was being a bit more dishonest and there's some, some contrived writing going on. Your, your intentions were different, different. Um, I was writing for a different reason. Okay. Um, I was writing because I was in a band and I was uh, naive and trying to create an image rather than let myself be honest with what the image is that I am. Yeah. So the writing, the writing is definitely a lot more honest and I mean, it's intentional, but, but you know, it's, uh, this, there was no, there's no fluff. It was just, it was just, like I said, she and I were just doing this in closed behind closed doors for us. So that, that worked. Um, I was, you know, really surprised at how much it came through and, yeah. you know, for us it was cathartic and we were kind of processing loss and, and change and, um, but once we started hearing the tunes and just, we were like, you know, this isn't, these aren't embarrassing. They're actually pretty good. Um, and then all the meaning behind them for, for me personally and for her, I'm sure. Um, a couple of them are really, really sentimental and really difficult to write and hear sometimes about, you know, the loss of my stepfather and yeah. 
we're like, you know, for people can relate to this. So we, you know, like we just were like, people need to have, they need to listen to it. We want to get ears on this. It wasn't like, let's sell records. I mean, like, I have a job, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do fine. You know, um, yeah. I'm not worried about that before I was worried about it. Now I'm not, yeah. it was really just like, <laughs> I just want people to hear it because it meant so much to us. And I wanted to have that place in other people's lives. So, yeah. So how did the, second album come about was it similar you just wanted to make more songs with her or was there something like hey we got a we got some good response to this let's keep it going it's a combination i think i work in psychiatry so that's a really for me that's a difficult that can be pretty emotionally taxing oh sure and i wasn't playing you know i had my first kid and uh she was born in 20 uh, sorry, I have long, I have long winded answers, but she was born in 2012, <laughs> <That's> 2013. <fine>. <laughs> she was born in 2013. Um, and then I got my, my degree for psychiatric nurse practice to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner at 15, started my practice and I had, uh, my second kid a month into my practice and I've just been flat out in psychiatry and, um, raising kids. And it's just been, it's been a whirlwind. And then so I, I just, I didn't do it for a while because I didn't have the time, frankly. And I realized that I was suffering as a result, especially when I got into psychiatry. You need to have, and this is what I tell my patients, you need to have a creative outlet of some sort. I don't care what it is, color by numbers, I don't care. You got to do something to take your mind off stuff. And I wasn't right. doing that. And when, when I realized that it was, you know, that I wasn't doing it. And for me, it's music. And then we did high, low. And I was like, this is pretty you know, pretty decent. I was like, I, I can't. Yeah. I and mean, it really wasn't a choice. Like I have to keep on doing this cause it's, it's, it's cathartic. It's meditation. It's, you know, it's therapy. You know, that question about how do you go from music to, to psychiatry? I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it really is. I mean, music is, you know, it's, it's a healing form. You know, it's a, it's a healing form, right. For in, in the psychiatric hospitals, we had music therapy. They come in and, and the, the power of music on the soul is incredible. It really is. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really thrilled with both albums. And uh, yeah. like you said, the difference in the second album is it's funny because it's, it definitely feels like a growth and not something that's completely separate from the first album. Good. So I, I like the connection between the two. It's really refreshing to hear because it's not the same old power chords and screaming vocals and yelling and <laughs> angst and, and all that. Even in the angrier parts, it's, like you said, more uh, thoughtful anger, more controlled. I don't want to say anger because it's, I mean, that, that's really the wrong word, but you're able to. There's a lot of, there's a lot of expressed disappointment and frustration. Okay. There, yeah. yeah. There you go. And, and, <laughs> and you're able to, it, it's funny because it, it, it sounds like you're able to deal with it. So do any of your any of your uh, experiences at work and not, I'm not saying, you know, patients or anything like that, but yeah. anything from work ever make its way into the music? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was fast. I'd say that, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you the clearest example is, um, something's dying here. I don't know if it's my headphones. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I think the clearest example would be switch my earbuds out. That's, I'm doing track numbers. I forget the name of it. Um, the illusory fair. Oh yeah. Um, you still have me? Yes. Which okay. illusory fair, really cool video, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. She's doing the, the woman, the uh, woman that did that video 
is doing um, uh, another video for us for theater that's going to be out this month. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So Stacy Holder, she does some really great work. That was it's um, really interesting. Yeah. Very cool. But so the Illusory Affair is, um, was a combination of both having young kids and then have working in psychiatry. The, if you listen to the lyrics, that's definitely pulled from patients of mine that will struggle with, um, psychosis. Okay. Um, and sometimes they struggle with, uh, with identifying if they're having active, psych- you know, psychotic symptoms, if they're having visual hallucinations or auditory hallucinations, or if they're, wow. or if they're, you know, just illusions, you know, from shadows and kind of, you know, typical anxiety, maybe at nighttime, et cetera. So it's okay. just kind of that, that loss of clarity as to whether or not you're falling into you know, more acute state versus you're okay. And the, the sun will come up and you can check yourself and you, you'll be all right. So that's a definite reflection of work. Oh, wow. I've really enjoyed the album, man. And it's one that I'm going to be sharing with a bunch of people because I know a lot of people who would really, really like the sound of it. And like I said, you know, the, the, the engineering, I mean, for God's sakes, Drew does an incredible job engineering these the, both albums. It's just clear. Everything is just clear. This is the only descriptor I can use. Be, the, just the clarity of everything just is what drew me in in the first place. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. amazing. For sure. Hats off to uh, yeah, Drew. And for those that are listening, it's Drew Skinner. It's Skinner Sound. Um, Got to give him a plug. Um, oh, yeah. But we certainly, uh, we did, ex- you know, an extensive amount of notes on, on levels and, and edits. And we did, we, you know, we took our time on it. Uh, you know, it meant a lot to, to all of us. So, yeah, but he'll appreciate that compliment. And we, and so do, so do I, you are know, you, we did. We, are you using any, that? uh, uh, gear in particular is, is there a do you have a set rig that you like to use and do you i mean i know with the pandemic it's not possible and and with your sister being in barcelona and you being here in the u.s do you guys ever get a chance to do anything together in a in a live type of way like a, a zoom yeah. call uh no i mean well we do facetime um or no, not FaceTime, but we use WhatsApp, generally speaking. Well, I mean, they're owned by the same company, the same damn thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we, did, uh, we did come together and do a release uh, show. Drew didn't come out. We got a, we, we, the release was down in, uh, outside of Philadelphia. Um, okay. And so I actually, that's my old stomping ground. I, I reached out to who's the players down there now, and we hired some some players and Amanda and I did our stuff and they backed us up and, and that was great. Um, awesome. and then I've been doing, you know, I've been doing some, um, solo shows where I just get some loop pedals and, um, and just put the songs out, just do a, a solo set. Oh, that's, but we, you know, we, we released it in what, August of 19. And then, uh, my last show was November. The last show I did was in November of 19 and then boom, you know, so, later, we, yeah. yeah. So we haven't, I haven't gotten, you know, I did, 
Yeah, we did a few, couple, a few shows after we were released, and then the world shut down. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, I'm hoping things start to open up at some point here. I would. I don't know. Are you planning on playing anything besides local, local shows, or I'd you're like hoping to. to? Yeah, I'd like to. Um, I love playing out live, and it's been a while since you know we've done. Like I said, we did a few shows in '19. There's nothing like playing live, and um, and the songs translate pretty live. So I'd, I'd certainly like to, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, and as you know, I'm working as a professional at a hospital, it's hard to get enough time to do like a proper tour. Yeah. But. It's not like being a bartender where you can just say, Hey, uh, I'm going to, I'm going on tour. I'll be back in a month. And they, Oh yeah, I mean, sure. My, whatever. I can tell you my hospitals. I mean, they're pretty cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in Southern Vermont where, uh, you know, we're at a real small critical access hospital with, a. Uh, a good crew and everybody's pretty supportive. And they, you know, they all, you know, they all are, you know, really excited about the release. They did a write up for it, you know, and, oh, that's uh, awesome. you, know, all, you know, everybody, everybody knows what's going on. So they'd be supportive if I was like, I need to take a little bit of time. So, I mean, I'd, I'd like to do, I'd like to find a way to do, you know, if I had a two week, you know, a 10 day or a 14 run, 14 day run here, and then do another one here, you know, kind of sporadically set them up. Yeah. So that would be the goal. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, where can people follow you to, to find out more about the albums? Oh, this is where you, you're going to get me. I, this is, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? <laughs> do you... <laughs> uh, I'm assuming it's a, it's Benjamin Jane of some sort. No, I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us where you can find me? Okay. Let me uh, pull up my email here. Oh shit! I'm guessing Howard gave you all that stuff, right? Yeah, he did. And I'm trying to well, find. You can, you can find this. We do have a website. It's benjaminjane.com. And we'll just um, we'll say that most of all of your links are probably on there. They are on there. Um, and then and that's J A Y N E, right? J A Y N E. Yep. And then on Twitter, it's uh, at Benjane Music and uh, Instagram. Jeez, what's that one? I think that's. Uh, you might have that link Benjamin J music Benjamin J music yep so Twitter or Instagram's at Benjamin J music and Twitter's at Ben Jane music websites benjaminjane.com there is a Facebook one there too right yes and you love you love how good I am at advertising (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why I'm I'm not getting as many downloads as I want to (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's Facebook slash Benjamin Jane Music, capital B, capital J, capital M. Pretty easy. I don't know if yep. that makes any difference anymore. Did, do capitals make differences anymore? Uh, I don't know. I've, I know they Good used question. to. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in like my mid to late 40s at this point. I, I, yeah. I, I've accepted the fact that I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've made peace with that. I have a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, um, and an 18-year-old. Yeah. They they know everything. I don't know anything. Well, yeah, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, artists are generally, I mean, maybe it's changing nowadays, but, are, you know, they're generally not, they're usually busy making music and then and playing. So I, I, I need to work on that deficit of, of not, <laughs> my, not minding promoting that's, myself to people. That's why you get PR folks. Right. Guys like Howard Wolfing. Right. Absolutely. I think that's the first time I've ever actually said his full name on a podcast. So you're welcome, Howard. (laughs) Love that guy. But I almost, I always, it's funny because in half these things, I'm like, yeah, Howard sent me this and and nobody listening knows who the hell Howard is. 
He's a he's a heavy hitter, that's he, for sure. Yeah, I found out some really cool stuff about Howard. So <laughs> very cool, very chill, very chill guy. I really appreciate him. Yep. He yeah he's and he's hooked me up with some awesome people like you. Tobias Nathaniel from Red Step and uh, Blackheart Procession, Michael Giraud from Swans. You know, he's got yeah, some Swans. awesome folks. So, well, that's how I got hooked up with Howard. Actually, was through Swans. Really? Oh, okay, so you now you got to tell me that because I'm a latecomer to Swans. I remember when White Light from the Mouth of Infinity came out, and it frightened the god. It, it scared me to death. It was yeah. just so intense, and I'm just like, ah, I don't know if this is for me, because I was in college. It was like 91. Oh, and, and then I never got into them until Howard said, hey, um, here's the new, I'm going to send you the, the new the promo of the new Swans album. Michael might be interested in doing some, uh, some promotion in a few months. I'll let you know. I'm like, okay. So I listened to it. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then I started going back and listening, and I've become an enormous fan of Swans. Yeah, I mean, they—I wasn't too aware of them either, and um, I mean, they've—they've they've moved through so many different iterations. Oh, yeah. um, Got to give them mad props for that. Yeah, um, for sure. But I—I uh, I somehow became acquaintances with Tor Harris. Oh wow! And um, I don't remember how. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best stories. Yeah. I don't know how I met this guy. Really don't know how, but uh, but he ended up actually uh, another after I met him, or you know online, and we started chatting a little bit. Uh, I realized that he was actually he was friends with um, there's a band I know called Florida, and um, the lead singer Dan Rainier is friends with one of Tor Harris's buddies. Uh, so it's just a small world, you know. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, so I mean, we're not you know Tor and I are not we're not you know close friends, but we certainly have run into each other this year and have chatted a bit. He's been helpful and and. Uh, uh, and he turned me on to Howard. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. that is awesome. So. Well, man, look, I've kept you for a while. Thank you so much for tell- talking to me about the album, about how music and psychiatry. That's that, that stuff's always fascinating to me. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me on, man. Oh, uh, my I enjoyed pleasure. it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 